Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. All right, we're in week number three of Do It Tomorrow, Finding the Power to Change. Finding the power to change. I wonder what God's been telling you that you need to change in your life the last couple weeks. Has he been saying anything to you? I'll bet he has. wonder if you've been listening, because that's the key point. You gotta hear from God uh, and, and act on his promptings. Well, this morning I wanna talk to you about maybe later. Maybe later. Maybe later I'll do this thing of change. Maybe later I'll do the things in my life that I know that I need to do, but I don't want to do. Uh, classic procrastination move, right? Sometimes we say things like, hey, uh, we're out with our friends or something. We'll say, hey, I'll catch up with you later. And in our mind, we're saying, maybe, maybe, maybe I will catch up with you later. If you're Gen Z or millennial, uh, you do this thing of, uh, well, the acronyms FOMO and FOBO. Fear of missing out and fear of better options. Has someone said to you, oh, I might show up for that. Yeah, I might show up that, for that. They don't commit because maybe there's a better option coming up and they don't want to miss out on that. So they got FOMO and FOBO going on. We have names for this stuff now. Actually, I think all generations have done this at some level. We just have a name for it. We've applied a label to it. Well, maybe you're online this morning and you meant to get to the house this morning. You meant to be here this morning, but you got up and you said, maybe later, maybe later, maybe next Sunday I'll show up. You guys, maybe you're putting off that consequential weighty decision. It's a good one, but it's going to impact all kinds of other people if you pull the trigger. So you say, maybe I'll just do it tomorrow. See, procrastination is a thing. And we've all been there. We've all done it. Some of us have lived there for so long, we've gotten comfortable. And we're no longer willing to even entertain the idea of disrupting this status quo life that we're living In our maybe later mode, we haven't just put it into neutral. Because let me tell you, there ain't no such thing as being in neutral. You're either moving forward or you're moving back. You're either advancing or you're retreating. So the question could be asked, what qualifies as procrastination? And if you're asking me that, I might ask, why are you asking? What are you putting off? Why do you need to know what that is? Well, procrastination is anything you're putting off till the last minute or until past the set deadline. We chuckle because that's what we do. Why procrastinate though? Why procrastinate? Well, some might say because every problem deserves a chance to solve itself. I mean, you can't just turn on the creativity faucet, right? You gotta be in the right mood. And the right mood is last minute panic. And if you wait till the last minute, it only takes a minute. That's some of our theory. I'll just wait till the last minute because then I can get it done in a minute. The reality is that change is inevitable. We can put it off 
But our indecision, our passivity, our lack of courage, it'll come back and it's gonna bite us. How about you? How about you? Do you ever put anything off? Do you try to avoid the inevitable? Putting off what you need to do. If so, if so, you're in good company because we all do this from time to time or all the time. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had spent somewhere between 300 and 400 years being ruled by a series of judges. And Samuel was the last of those judges. And so Samuel is leading the people of Israel. He's a prophetic judge. And the people start saying, hey, we notice or all the nations around us, they all have kings. We don't have a king and we want a king. Well, Samuel's the leader of the people of Israel. Do you think he felt a little diminished when they start asking for a king? Yeah, I think he probably did. He's human. So he went to God about this and he said, look, these people want a king. What do I do? And God tells Samuel to give them what they want. And he assures him, he says, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Because ever since I brought them out of Egypt, they've been like a yo-yo, up and down, up and down. One day they worship me, the next day they worship some foreign god. So warn them, warn them of what will happen if they get a king, but give them what they want. So I'm gonna pick the story up. This is what has happened up to this point, and we'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 9. There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. It's kind of an odd way to start a chapter. Kish was Saul's dad. Kish was an influential man. He had resources. Kish had a herd of donkeys, and his donkeys took off. They ran away. And so... Kish calls his tall, dark, and handsome son in and says, hey, Saul, take a servant. Go look for the donkeys. Go find them. And so scripture tells us they're going all over the place. Who knows how long they're gone, but they're gone a significant amount of time and they can't find the donkeys. And finally, they're out there wandering around there and, and Saul says to his servant, he says, look, if we don't go home, my dad's going to be more concerned about me than he is about the donkeys. So we should think about going home. And, and his servant, who kind of knew some stuff, he said, well, I've heard of this prophet, and he's in the next town. I think we should go see him first, see what he has to say. So they went to the town of Samuel's residence, and they run into Samuel. And Samuel already had a word from God that said, I'm gonna bring a guy to you. You're supposed to anoint him as the next king of Israel. And so when Samuel sees Saul coming, God says, this is the guy. This is the guy. Find a time to tell him about his kingship and anoint him. Now, this happens just as God has instructed. So Samuel tells Saul that 
you can expect these three specific things to happen. And these are things that Saul can look at and go, this is confirmation. This is from God. And so Saul, or Samuel tells Saul, he says, you're going to see two messengers. And uh, they're going to tell you that the donkeys have been found and your dad's worried about you. Then you'll see three guys and um, they're going to come to you and you should take the bread they offer. And all of this happened just as Samuel said it would. There was one other thing that happened and we're going to read now from 1 Samuel 10 starting in verse 5. When you arrive, this is what Samuel tells Saul, when you arrive at Gibeah of God where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp. They're so specific. A harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre. They will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. Guess what? Saul meets the prophets. The Spirit of God causes him to prophesy. And when the people heard it, they said, What? What? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? Can anyone become a prophet, no matter who his father is? Are you catching this? First, God said, this, this, and this is going to happen. Saul could look at that and go, this, this, and this happened. But then the people said. How often have you said, but the people said. Other people said. See, Scripture doesn't say, God said these things. No, the people said, what? Can Kish's son be a prophet? God said just the opposite. But I don't know, can you change? Can I change? Is what God said about me true? Or do I just listen to other people? See, Saul already, his, like, I wonder what it, you think about his mindset right now, like he's doubting. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I've been anointed. These three prophecies are confirmed. I'm the sexiest man alive. I don't know. Those are like three substantial things. And yet he doubted. He doubted. So Samuel continues on with the plan. He gathers the children of Israel together. And they start, they did this thing of casting lots. So basically they're drawing straws. And the straws are being drawn. The short straw was pulled by the tribe of Benjamin. And then it, and Saul was part of the tribe of Benjamin. And then it comes on down. And then it's Saul's family. And the straws get shorter and shorter. And the names got closer till they got to Saul. But guess what? They couldn't find him. They couldn't find him. Saul was hiding under the baggage. Apparently there were some suitcases around. And he had buried himself underneath the suitcases. So they brought him out. And there he was, quoting scripture. He stood head and shoulders above anyone else in the land. Saul looked like something, but looking like something does not equate to being something. He looked like something. Paul, or Saul, looked like a king, 
but he behaved like a peasant. He looked like a king, but his thinking was like a commoner who couldn't see what God saw. He only heard what people said. See, perception is everything, is it not? No, it's not. We have these sayings in the business world. They're old and worn out. Perception is everything. Fake it till you make it. Dress for success. It's crept into the church. We say dress a certain way and you look Christian. No. No, this doesn't work long term. If you, if you put off doing the hard work because you're just going to fake it till you make it, you'll be found out. Fake and fraudulent is very, very temporary in the digital world that, we, that you and I live in. Avoiding and hiding, as Saul did, just bury myself under the reality of what is true in my life. Avoiding and hiding only serves to elongate the process of becoming who God has called you to be. You can sidestep all day long, all life long, and never become who God has called you to be. We say, maybe, maybe later, maybe then I'll address the change I know is inevitable. But if I can wait just a little bit longer, maybe the Lord will deliver me from this oppressor. Maybe by worrying for one more day, I can add another hour to my life. And you guys all know that anxiety and worry actually reduce the length of your life. So that's not true. What is true is the word from Mark 11, verse 23, when Jesus says, He's addressing the things in our lives that will not seem to move away. They're the things in our lives we just can't overcome. He says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, and he was in a mountainous region, probably in Galilee somewhere. He's looking across the mountains. He says, look at that mountain. You see that mountain? If you say to that mountain, be moved, it'll be thrown into the sea. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Heart. Now, Isaiah, in chapter 50, verse 7, Isaiah the prophet says these words. He says, I'm going to, he talks about being resilient. He says, I'm going to set my face, face like flint. Like, I'm not going to flinch. I'm going to come against this thing in my life. I'm not going to flinch. I'm going to face this mountain. Say to this mountain, be gone, and it will happen. That's what Jesus says. Say to the mountain, be gone, and it's going to happen. Of course, of course, you guys, he is speaking figuratively about those impossible things in your life. Those things that feel like a mountain, weighing you down, just sitting in there in your vision. They're unavoidable. They're blocking your view and keeping you from the destiny you've been called to. There it sits. There it sits, staring you down waiting for you to have the courage, waiting for you to have the fortitude to speak to the mountain. It could be that difficult, awkward conversation you know you have to have. It could be organizing your pantry. It might mean cleaning your bathroom. It might mean volunteering in kids' ministry. Those are all things we commonly avoid because the people said, Maybe you're the person that said, I couldn't possibly do this. See, this is where Saul found himself years later. He is now the king. He and his army were facing up against the Philistine army. We've all heard the story. 
The infamous giant Goliath was tormenting the Israel, Israelite army. Day after day, day after day, they lined up to approach and Goliath would roar his profane threats and they would retreat. Saul watched all of this from his tent. Saul couldn't see anything other than this mountain of a man rising up across the valley. His vision was blocked. And so every day he would decide again, I'll do it tomorrow, maybe later when I'm not as tired, when I'm not as scared, when I'm not as intimidated, when I'm not as stressed out. And day after day after day, this happened. For 40 days, Goliath came out every morning and tormented and threatened, and the Israelite army fleed from his sight. They, They ran away every time. I wonder how long you've been putting it off. What have you been saying maybe later to? What are the changes that you need to make that are freaking you out right now? I like to imagine that these are the sorts of things that Saul is contemplating. When young David, young David, future King David, maybe he was like a freshman in high school. He came on the scene. He had a a charcuterie board for his brothers and their bosses. And he started asking questions about this bully from across the valley. He's wondering out loud at the gall of this giant to come against the people of the living God. And why on earth no one had the courage or fortitude to stand up to him. He's like looking around at these guys, his brothers and all the other military men. And he's like... What are you waiting on? You know, maybe, maybe David was like 15 years old. Maybe he was young and naive. And maybe his testosterone was out of control that day. Or maybe David had just spent enough time with God as he tended sheep. Maybe he had spent enough time in solitude out under the stars to realize that the God who had delivered him from the jaws of the lion and the jaws of the bear was the same God that would deliver his people from their fear and dead and living. Maybe. Regardless, he said, let me at him. Let me at him. And as he approached Goliath, can you picture this? I don't know how tall David was, but we think about a 15-year-old, he's, he's, and he's, from, he's Jewish. He may not be exceptionally tall, but he's talking. He's talking, and guess what? He's moving forward. He's coming against the enemy. He was declaring as he went. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Now step up and watch what God is about to do. I come to you in the name... Have you said that to anything recently in your life that is blocking you? Have you said that to the mountain in your life? I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Now watch what God's going to do on my behalf. David goes on to use a sling and a stone, and that stone has Goliath's number on it. That small stone took him down. You guys, your seed of faith, it could be like the size of a pinhead, like the size of a mustard seed. Maybe it's barely faith, but you speak the name of Jesus, you speak God's promises to that giant in your life, that mountain ahead of you, the one that seems insurmountable, you've got its number. It will give way. Miracles will happen. The impossible becomes possible. Here's the thing. 
When we align ourselves with the way of Jesus, when we submit to and step out in the authority of the one who sent us, not with passivity, not with fear, but with boldness and with courage, our perspective changes, our desires change, our will changes, and we're conformed to the will of the Father. See, this is the place You want a miracle in your life? This is the place where impossibilities become possible, where we find a way where there was no way. If this resonates with you, and you find yourself in a perpetual cycle of procrastination, putting off till tomorrow what needs done today, then put these principles to work in your life. Proverbs 22, 17 Simple scripture, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. Invite the help of a friend or mentor to keep you accountable. Learn to listen and to obey the voice of God in your life. Jesus says it this way. He says in Matthew 7, he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks who everyone who uh, receives, everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Listen, do you hear that? It's not saying, hey, you might want to ask one time. If you have a need in your life, don't give up. Keep asking, keep knocking, and everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks on that door will find. Ask and you shall receive. Ask God to reveal those things in your life that you've been stalling on. You've been avoiding the hard things. See, procrastination is not so much about laziness, but mostly it is about putting off something that we know will have negative consequences. See, the unknown is the fear factor in procrastination. If you can begin to identify the areas or those situations that you're deliberately kicking down the road, you'll probably find the place where where your real or perceived weaknesses live. Now for some of you, some of you, making spiritual moves has been the mountain that you've been competing against. Maybe later is what you keep saying. Maybe later. How long will you put off what needs to be done today? What is keeping you from stepping into relationship with Jesus? If you've been following Jesus and have always said maybe later to baptism, one could ask, what are you waiting for? In the New Testament, when we first are introduced to baptism, it was they received Christ and were baptized. And for some reason, in 21st century here, we uh, decide that uh, we receive Christ and maybe sometime down the road, um, maybe for some of us it's many years later, we finally decide that baptism might be a good thing. Repent and be baptized. Repentance means we are sorry for our sins. We move away from our sin. We confess. We fix what we can. We forgive others and we choose to love God and our neighbor. This morning, I would just like to tell you that the journey of healing and restoration could actually start for you right now, if you don't put it off till later. See, I I suspect that King Saul got comfortable with his weaknesses. 
He got comfortable with his weaknesses. The I can'ts became I wants, and worshiping at the mountain of fear and dread was far less daunting than stepping into something that required courage. Even though God had shown himself faithful, time and again, he had come through for Saul. Saul was chosen by God from among millions of people. Would it not seem that that would be enough to remember God's faithfulness, his patience, his grace? See, sustainable change. You want change in your life. It requires action. Sustainable change comes only when we surrender to love. When we live into the reality that we are seen, we are loved, and we are valued. That's when true life change happens. Time and again, I've heard, well, if I follow Jesus, I'll lose my freedom. Really? You want to be free from some stuff? You're going to gain freedom. What you lose is what you should have lost anyway. Jesus constrained himself. He lost his freedom by constraining himself to a human body so that you and I would find our healing and peace. And who doesn't want more peace? Who doesn't want more love? Because when we're loved, we're valued. And when we're valued, we can move the mountains in our lives. What's the mountain in your life this morning? What are you procrastinating on? What are the changes you know you need to make that you're resisting? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.